0: Why are we here? I don't mean existentially, but here at United Parish. Or more broadly, why do you choose to participate in a Christian community? Why Christianity? Well, perhaps some of you approached religion methodically and looked into different faiths and felt that Christianity was right for you, or more specifically, Protestantism, or progressive Protestantism, or even just United Parish. Perhaps some of you feel that you could probably get on board with any of the major world religions, but Christianity is what you grew up with, and it's what you're familiar with, and it just fits. Or perhaps some of you don't even identify as Christian, but you come to United Parish with a loved one who does. Or because you just like being a part of our community and it's come to feel like a home to you. Or perhaps some of you are like me, and to borrow the phrasing of Reza Aslan, Christianity is your mother tongue. It's the language that your soul thinks and dreams in. It's the faith that you just know is right for you, because you experience it, you live in it, and you know that this is how God is revealed to you. There are many reasons and ways to approach Christianity. I think that largely one thing that unites us as folks who attend a Christian church is our belief that Jesus is important. And not just important, but that Jesus' life and ministry and teachings are central to our faith, are central to how we make sense of the world and orient our lives. As we move through Lent, we've been exploring our faith and the different ways that we live and express it. Two weeks ago, Kent preached about faith itself and how we express it in our lives, how we feel it, what it means to live out your faith. Last week, we explored the small, easily digestible concept of God. (laughs) Who God is, how we experience God, where we encounter God. Next week, we'll explore the Holy Spirit, and the week after that, humanity, church, and the world. But today, we're talking about Jesus. So who is Jesus? In the scripture this morning, Jesus asks his followers, well, who do people say that I am? And they tell him that some say he's Elijah or a prophet. Some say he's John the Baptist. And he asks them, who do you say that I am? And they say the Messiah. And he instructs them not to tell anyone, not yet at least. I want to imagine this conversation taking place in our time amongst 21st century Christians. Who is Jesus to us? If Jesus were to gather with us at our next potluck and take up the handheld mic up on the stage and ask, who do you say that I am? And in this instance, I imagine myself taking notes on the whiteboard because I really like doing that (laughs) ever since I was in middle school what responses might we hear? Some might say that Jesus is the Son of God. Some might say Christ. Some might say Jesus was a man, a Jewish reformer in first-century Palestine. Some might say he's a socialist or a radical. Some might say he's a mystic. Some might say he's the patient they treated last week or the homeless woman they passed on the street. Still others might say that he is their best friend or their personal Lord and Savior. Some might say Jesus is someone they've heard of but never met. Others may say, well, they've met him, but now they're skeptical if it was actually him. Some may say they have no real idea who Jesus is, but they know he loves them. Or at least that's what the song says. Even the Gospels differ in their depictions of Jesus. I mean, they tell by and large the same story, perhaps with a few different highlights added or removed from the real. zooming in on different aspects of different stories. It's like if you asked Van Gogh, Picasso, Renoir, and one of our kindergartners to draw a picture of the same person— All of these portraits are the same essential subject, but they each choose to highlight different attributes. They each offer a different perspective. Different colors jump off the canvas. Some may even take some artistic liberties. Have you ever seen a Picasso? Ears over here. Um, Who was Jesus? Who is Jesus? It's not a question you can really answer thoroughly in a 15- to 20-minute sermon. And yet, there is one aspect of Jesus that, in my own theology, serves as the foundation upon which I continually build and renovate my faith. And that's Jesus as Emmanuel, or God with us. Thinking of Jesus as God amongst us definitely brings up that tricky fully human and fully divine concept. And yet it resonates with me so much because it brings me closer to God. It helps me know who God is and what God is like. And it helps me endure the inevitable pains of the human experience. Before I dive in, however, I want to offer this disclaimer that Marcus Borg included in his workbook, Living the Heart of Christianity. He says, we can say that Jesus is the decisive revelation of God for us as Christians without needing to say that he is the only and exclusive revelation of God. Similarly, I share this part of Christian theology with you because I find it to be life-giving, affirming, and encouraging. And as your pastor, as a fellow Christian, and as a fellow faith explorer, if you encounter Jesus in a different way, or have a different perspective on who Jesus is, not only do I want to affirm your faith and your relationship with God, but I also would love to get together and hear more about it. And I'm serious about that. I always cherish these conversations with you. So I think back to last week's sermon, when we heard the story of when God appeared to Moses as a burning bush. Also in the story of Exodus, when Moses asks to see God's glory, God only allows Moses a glimpse of God's back, explaining that to gaze directly at God's face would be fatally overwhelming. God and Moses converse as one would converse with a colleague or a friend, and yet despite this closeness, God is always in some way unreachable or distant to Moses. And then the Word became flesh, and in Jesus, God's love and glory and majesty was amongst humankind, mortal and in the world, but not quite of the world. God became immediate and visceral. In Jesus, we encounter the full glory of God right there on the dusty road. Martin Copenhaver imagines imagines God declaring that as Jesus, God will encompass the dimensions of eternity and yet will be as close as your elbow. And through this one, you shall see me and not die. You will live to tell the story and lives you have never lived before. In other words, Martin says, In Jesus, God turned around and we could finally see that face. Jesus can bring us closer to God, or rather brings God closer to us. Jesus is immediate and fleshy and right there talking to you on the street and asking you to touch his wounded hands. Now, if you were to go by just one story about Jesus from the Gospels, you would likely have a very different idea of who Jesus is than from someone who is going off of a different story. But these different stories about Jesus help us understand what God is like. Copenhaver explains it that this is no mere glimpse of God we are offered. It is a picture of God that we continually can turn to. He continues explaining that by observing the ways Jesus responded to those who had been cast off by life, we can understand God's special care for the outcast. By hearing about the ways that Jesus healed the sick, we can discover that our God is the kind of God who can put together the broken pieces of our lives. By observing the ways Jesus forgave the very ones who rejected and betrayed him, we can realize how far God will go to embrace us with forgiveness. By studying the ways of Jesus, we need not wonder what God would have us do, because we can endeavor simply to do what Jesus did. And sometimes, explanations for what it means to simply do what Jesus did come from very unexpected places. This week comes from an Instagram post. It brings me, this story brings me so much delight that I have to share it. So this person recounts a recent Sunday morning at their Catholic church, and they say, There was a little girl in church, about five. Her parents obviously let her get dressed herself that day because she came waddling in with the puffiest coat on in the summer in North Carolina. She comes and sits in the pew in front of us. Fifteen minutes into mass, she turns around and hands my husband a clementine. Her parents are mortified. Savannah, not again, they scold. which kills me. They apologize, and she turns back around. A few moments later, she goes to hand me a clementine, but her parents grab it from her before she can. Savannah is determined. She reaches her tiny fists into her puffy coat and pulls out two more clementines. (laughs) And she begins to distribute them. Her parents are now beat red and in shock. There is no stopping small Savannah now. This small child proceeds to laugh a laugh I can only call maniacal, <laughs> unzip the inner lining of her coat, and releases what had to have been 20 to 30 of those little clementines into the pews. <laughs> we eat! Savannah yells, cackling. The priest can no longer contain his glee. The entire church is dying with laughter. And this person reflects finally. She felt like Jesus on the mountain with the baskets of fish that day, I'm sure. (laughs) Do you love me, Jesus asks. Feed my sheep. Clementine's work. You know, Jesus offered many of his teachings in the form of parables, so perhaps it's, fit, perhaps it's fitting that I'm including so many anecdotes in this Jesus-themed sermon. You see, I've been working my way through Martin Copenhaver's book, To Begin at the Beginning, which for this seminary graduate, it is a refreshingly non-academic exploration of Christian theology. He cites a story recounted by theologian and pastor John Westerhoff that, for me, gets to the crux, no theological pun intended, of how Jesus' humanity, of how Jesus' life on earth is so important to me, especially in times of pain. John tells of a mother whose child was late in leaving his nursery school classroom. The child explained to his mother that as class ended, one of the other children had broken a pottery dish that she had made. So the mother asked, Oh, so you you had to stay and help her pick it up? No, the child replied. I had to stay to help her cry. In Jesus, Copenhaver explains, God came to us, in part at least, to help us cry. And to me, there's something comforting about knowing that there is no suffering I could ever endure as a human that God has not suffered along with me and is right there with me to share those burdens. This, to me, is one of the miracles of Jesus as Emmanuel, as God with us. And I could go on and on about Jesus. There are so many ways to approach this sermon and this topic. There's the story of resurrection and the promise of life that it offers us, the promise that evil will never get the last word, There's the fact that our tradition teaches that a peasant boy born out of wedlock to a pair of nobodies in Bethlehem is the Messiah in whom we encounter God. There's the way that Jesus called his disciples. There's the matter of who he called as disciples. There's the fact that he offered the bread of life and the cup of salvation even to the one who betrayed him. The wonder of faith is that we never have to stop exploring it. I encourage you to come to our small group after worship or on Tuesday morning, or just take some time this week to mull over our take-home questions in your bulletin, or to pray, meditate, or come in for a conversation. Take some time to think about Jesus, who Jesus is for you, where Jesus is for you, Listen for the question he asks us still. Who do you say that I am? Amen.